Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Marin here with another mothering podcast. I seem to be getting more of these in during this pregnancy than actual pregnancy podcasts, but I guess there's so many of those already. So today is going to be a Q&A with questions coming from women that are in our Indie Birth social group slash platform, which by the way is free. So you can also head there if you'd like, social.indiebirth.org and just hang out with us. So I asked the other day because frankly, I'm feeling a little lazy, Um, although that's not really the word. I'm just feeling less structured in my brain due to pregnancy. That's what I'm blaming it on. And I just asked for random questions people had that maybe I could cover. And so if I was feeling super organized, I guess I could have compiled the questions into categories and sort of done it that way. But alas, I don't feel like doing that. So I'm just going to take the questions as they come and blab. And I don't have an outline. I don't have notes. And honestly, I haven't even read the questions. I just kind of cut and paste them all uh, into a document. And hopefully (laughs) they're insightful questions. Thanks to these women in our group. I'm sure they are. Um, Hopefully they're not too hard to answer, but we'll see. Maybe I'll get through a couple or maybe I'll get through a lot. Or maybe there'll be a part two Q&A if there are so many and I can't find my way through quite today. So brief pregnancy update for people that are interested. Um, I'm almost 29 weeks, so, you know, 10-ish weeks left. And it's feeling like it in a lot of ways. Uh, Things have been really easy and smooth, and it's still easy and smooth, but I'm feeling sort of that uphill climb. Does anyone know what I mean? That uphill climb at the end, like before you kind of are at the top to hang out uh, gratefully and wait for the birth process to begin. Yeah, feels like a climb to me because things start changing. And I was sleeping so well, like for the last few months, so well, probably the best of any pregnancy, like completely would just totally knock out at night, (laughs) like for several hours. And so that's starting to shift. Um, Heartburn has made an appearance at least a couple of times. And so, yeah, to be honest, that's not fun. And I'm kind of living in a little bit of fear that it will become every night or it will become worse because it's just so highly unpleasant and really affects the quality of sleep one gets. So that's kind of like the physical update. Um, The emotional and spiritual update 
is more complicated and it's surprising in a way I haven't done podcasts more because I feel like there is so much going on for me internally. But yet that's not a surprise because I don't know about you, but often I need some space from whatever growth process I'm in to be able to talk about it because you kind of don't know where you are. You're just in it and you don't really have anything <laughs> like of resolution to say because you're not done. So I have mentioned before in posts and whatnot that this baby is super powerful and is really challenging me um, with a lot of childhood stuff. So deeper seated emotions that have been in there for a long time uh, that I've had maybe awareness of, but they're coming up in different ways, which ultimately feels good. Like ultimately to me, it feels good to like crack parts open and move through, even if it's uncomfortable. It's really exciting. And uh, my husband seems to be going through a similar process, which is fascinating. Um, and, And this is a separate topic, perhaps, but just how men slash partners might be connected to the baby, to the soul, to like the karmic experience that they certainly have, you know, even though they're not the ones gestating. Um, And he is definitely experiencing that. And that's something that has gotten stronger for him each time, which kind of makes me want to cry in like this funny emotional way. I mean, not because it's bad at all. It's just so cool. And like, I love that not that he's going through sort of a harder time emotionally himself, but I love that this baby is making contact with him, um, you know, in dreams and in different ways. And yeah, we both feel like this baby is kicking our asses into being better people, into being better parents. Um, And so, yeah, that's feeling really emotional But it's also really awesome. And I really don't mind sharing that. I think these are the aspects of pregnancy that we forget when we're not in it. And so I'm so grateful to have this opportunity and to be reminded of one variation of the process of growing a person. Uh, It gives me, you know, more tools and compassion to sit with women because it's not all roses. I mean, not that anything has been bad, but like it's not all just blissful unicorns. Um, There's really some hard work that we're asked to do in some pregnancies, you know, for some people. Uh, I think the state of the world has definitely contributed to what I think I'm experiencing because I'm also seeing it in other women um, as much as, you know, you can see it sort of from the outside that we are going deeper and that the surface way the world is running right now is challenging us all to dig deeper within ourselves and ask you know, what are we doing in life? (laughs) What is our purpose? Um, Where do we want to give energy? Where do we not want to give energy? And those are good questions to be asking. So yeah, perhaps a more focused podcast is in order at some point, if I can gather myself and my thoughts together well enough. But that's where I am. And, you know, having worked with many women, I also can kind of like look objectively at myself 
to a certain degree and what I'm experiencing and say, hey, that's really normal too. like 28, 29, 30 weeks, whatever, maybe even closer to birth for some, we really can get challenged. And I think it's on purpose. I think it's actually part of the physiological and greater spiritual journey that's prepping us for birth and mothering. So yeah, I mean, do people go through with none of this? Sure. Uh, I don't know that I have though, especially at this point. So fears come in and yeah, just things to work through. Because as I like to say, you know, and way easier to say to someone than to yourself, you're not ready to have a baby yet at this point. Uh, You're not, your body's not, the baby's not, but yet it's growing closer. And, you know, there's also just the super boring practical part of the last, you know, 10 weeks of pregnancy the you got to get the stuff done. So this is my morning here on a beautiful Saturday. And then I will return home to probably throw a bunch of stuff out. That's my plan. I want to get rid of stuff and start kind of like cleansing and nesting and all of that good stuff. Um, Side fun note, my good friend Nathan Riley, who's an OB and has been on the podcast a couple of times, uh, is coming to visit later today. So assuming that all works out, it'll be really lovely to meet him in person because funny enough, that hasn't happened and meet his lovely wife and beautiful daughter. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, it's been a month of traveling for other people, not us. We had Dr. Stu visit as well um, two weekends ago. He stayed with us and just really was more of a social visit. And if you don't know him, he's really awesome to check out. He has a podcast and I think it's just called Dr. Stu's Podcast. He's a home birth doctor in California. So, you know, something as simple as these visits also reminds me just how purposeful our work can be here um, together and separately and how things really are changing in the birth world for the better. Uh, You know, would I ever have thought decades ago that I would even be friends with obstetricians, you know, hell no. (laughs) But these guys are different and it's really beautiful to have them as friends and collaborators um, and to just expand our vision, you know, um, whether it's in our own pregnancies or this bigger birth community, it can be so much um, closer knit, I think, than we think. And the possibilities are really endless. So on that high note, uh, after 10 minutes of totally just blabbing here, I'm going to see what some of the Q&A questions are for this mothering podcast. Um, I don't have who asked them. I'm sure nobody really needs to know that anyway. But let's see. Uh, Okay, so as I said, I don't know how long any of these will be. If they feel like they're getting too long, then maybe I'll keep it short and reserve another podcast for more detailed discussion. And also, if you're listening, I always love hearing from people. Uh, These mothering podcasts seem to be catching on. 
and, you know, probably reaching more people, frankly, than just birth. So if you have questions, we would always love to hear them. And uh, I don't know how they'll be answered in a podcast or not, but you can always get them to us and we'll do our best. So Marin at anybirth.org is a great way to email me. And people get us on Instagram and all kinds of other places too. Okay, so first question. Hi, Marin. Curious what your support system looks like. How do you run your business and parent nine children and maintain a healthy pregnancy? Do you have paid childcare or super involved parents and in-laws or both? Asking because I have three children and I can barely keep the house clean and children fed, let alone trying to grow and maintain my business. Yeah, those are fabulous questions. And those are pretty deep and lengthy. Not really a yes or no kind of thing, but hey, that's not what anyone wanted to hear anyway, I'm sure. Support system. Well, I can just answer a couple of the questions. Um, We do not have paid child care outside of our family. And by our family, I mean our children, actually. So we do not have super involved parents or in-laws. Um, both up until very recently have not lived super close by. And actually today, today's the day my parents have decided to live somewhat near us for half the year. So that will be a nice change. And I don't know how that will look. But knowing my parents, it won't be childcare related. Uh, There will be perhaps other benefits and fun things, but that's not their, uh, that's not their strong point, frankly. Not that they wouldn't help out if absolutely needed, but nope, no parents or in-laws, no family, no sisters and brothers of, you know, Jason or, or mine around. And not to sound like martyrs, but we've never had that. We've never had that. We've never had anyone around. So, you know, how I would have answered this question five, 10 years ago, of course, is different than today. Because at this point, we have an almost 18 year old, we have an almost 16 year old, we have an almost 14 year old. And frankly, even the, you know, 12 and 10 year old, They're very capable of watching a baby or cooking food or doing wash or cleaning the house. So, you know, I'm not sure who who asked this question Um, with three children. You know, I'm guessing they could be on the young side. And when I think back to having just three, um, not to discourage anyone out there, because obviously I love having a lot of children, but three was the hardest for me. And I don't know if it's like that for everybody, but two felt like, okay, we can do this. You know, there's two of us. And then when that third one came along, it felt like, oh, (laughs) who's supposed to help with that one? Um, So that was quite a while ago at this point. But, you know, I wasn't running a business at that point, at least not this one. And not to the extent that I am now, I wasn't a midwife. So, you know, there's lots of life circumstances that were different for me. Um, And so uh, paid childcare does come from some of our children. 
And they don't always get paid. I don't think that is reasonable. We're all in the same family. We all need to help out. They don't get paid for doing what we consider like standard participation in our household. Um, We do pay them though to do like extra stuff because we do often have that stuff. And, you know, obviously it gives some of them an opportunity to earn money to buy the things they want to buy or whatever it is. So we don't mind paying them when indicated. My son, who's 16, he's probably our best babysitter. And by best, I mean... He's the most attentive. He's the best with babies and children. And he doesn't have yet a super active life outside of the house, as, you know, my older daughter does. And even my 14-year-old daughter. Um, The girls just are busier in their lives. And, you know, it might sound funny that they're not (laughs) the more um, child-focused ones, but it's just the way it is. So my son Egan, he babysits pretty much every morning while we hike and, you know, the little kids love it. So we've got those three little girls at the end and True and they just hang around with him. They usually just kind of like sit on the couch with him or read books or he'll make them some breakfast and that is super helpful. But, you know, until he got to be that age it wasn't really happening. And for so many years, you know, I can totally relate because childcare was really hard to find here in Sedona. It's still hard to find, I'm sure. And it wasn't very good when you did find it. People weren't reliable. Um, My kids didn't necessarily like being with other people. So yeah, that has been a challenge in the past, but it doesn't feel that way anymore. And Um, I mean, we're all home. We're all home all day. So that could sound crazy and overwhelming to some, but it really does make things simpler because I don't have older kids at school that aren't home and available to watch little ones. And truthfully, we're, I mean, Jason and I are watching the kids. Like we're not really leaving them with the teenagers more than once a day or, or, you know, maybe to run out quick or something like that. But we're not both working outside of the house and using a babysitter. So to move on to that, Jason works at home. He doesn't have an office. So (laughs) that would be something I've done for myself because I need that. I need time alone and I need focus time. He is different and he has worked at our kitchen table for the last decade while he's watching the children. Now, you know, that certainly kind of has its benefits and drawbacks, I think, and working home in general does, but ultimately it's great and he is good at managing those things and the kids are used to that setup. So he is working, but if I'm not home, then he's totally going to help them with whatever they need or if they need food or whatever. So he is the super involved parent. Um, And I am too, but I definitely have times per day that I'm not there. And that's on purpose. So that's kind of leading into some other topics. Um, But that's really important for me, just knowing how I work to have that time. And it's honestly not something I do every day. So especially right now in pregnancy. Like if I, if I wasn't pregnant, maybe 
um, then I could commit better to an hour or two outside of the house with specific goals and tasks in mind. That's not happening right now. But a couple times a week, I'll come here to my office and have a plan and have to get some stuff done, whether it's client-based stuff. So it might be prenatals here or phone calls. It might be indie birth stuff. Um, you know, dual, we had a doula call yesterday. We have interviews, uh, whatever. Like there's a million and one projects. So I probably could spend six to eight hours a day here. But, you know, that's not what I've chosen for my life. I haven't chosen to be away from my kids that much. And then of course, on top of it, I could be called to a birth anytime. So I try to keep myself not overworked. Um, because you know, that's not healthy. And I really do love being with my kids. I'm just also really honest about needing a break. And it amazes me that people do and women do generally stay home with their kids all day, every day, in a more traditional setup where a husband or a partner would go off to work and you'd be with your kids all day. Um, I don't know if I could do it. Like I would do it, but that's hard for me. So I think we have a pretty good flow worked out uh, because Jason enjoys what he's doing and he doesn't have that same need to have like personal time, although he's certainly welcome to. And he does go out for bike rides or whatever he wants to do. And so it works pretty well. The, let's see, the house clean. You know, someone else asked a similar question that maybe I'll get to. But that's such a big deal. And let's see, how do I even want to talk about it? Well, It's kind of amazing to me because before I had kids, I definitely would have said I was very organized, like with physical stuff. So I remember when, you know, Jason and I were together before kids, um, he used to play at a church every Sunday. And every Sunday I would clean the house. Like that was just what I did. And it was just the two of us. Like how dirty could it have been, right? But um you know, that was something that felt important. And I would do that. And it really wasn't a problem. So I know that I do enjoy order and cleanliness. But with nine children, it would be so difficult to keep up what maybe people think is happening, right? So I don't know what you think is happening. Like, I really should put out a video or something about a day in our life. Um, Our house is really clean on Mondays, because we do the only paid help uh, we do have outside of our family um, is some really awesome cleaning ladies that come. And they have cleaned our house for 12 years. So even back when that was more of a stretch for us financially, it became imperative because it's impossible to live in just like a disaster all of the time. And having that help is pretty much one of the most amazing things I would want to pay for. So for me personally, I would choose house help, cleaning help over childcare any day. I don't really want or need people to watch my kids. However, I am happy to hand off the house. Um, So that's kind of where we are right now. Truthfully, 
if schedules allowed and maybe like some finagling of finance stuff um, allowed having that help more than once a week would be ideal because little kids trash spaces and I think most moms can relate to that but I guess I've kind of given up in a way so maybe that'll make people feel better my house is not spotless Uh, it's clean once a week the rest of the time we're really just doing the best we can and by that uh, Belgium has the job of picking up the floor every night and then vacuuming every morning so you know that is taken care of she was away camping the last few days and so it looked like hell you know and I'm at the point where am I gonna squat around and pick up trash all over the house at the end of the day um maybe not (laughs) and that's coming from someone that would say they care but you just get to the point where it is overwhelming um you can literally pick up your house with nine kids around and an hour later have it look the same way so i think you learn um i've learned that it's not really worth my time. You know, we're not living in squalor. It's not like there's dirty dishes piling up. The kids, I think I've said in another episode, the older kids are really great. They're on top of the kitchen. Um, Yeah, there's food being made all the time. So there's that. But I wouldn't say it's dirty. It's just disorganized. And there's stuff all over. And little kids in particular, you know, will take out a package of markers and, and not put them back. And Sure, we can have the discussions of uh, we need to recap the markers and put them back. But again, there's only so much time and energy in a day. So um, think what you will, but I don't have the energy and patience to control. And I think I said this in the food podcast, you know, I think there's something for better or for worse about having a lot of children that you surrender and And I guess it could be viewed different ways. Like I said, I gave up, right? So that was the more negative version. You just give up sometimes. You're like, my energy is more valuable than picking markers up off the floor 10 times a day. Um, But, you know, surrender is the more positive way. Like they'll only be young once. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to be. And hey, don't tell my mom. My mom was really Um, and still is very um, high strung in particular about cleanliness and messes. So, you know, you could say the pendulum has swung the other way. Um, She will literally follow my children around if, you know, again, with the markers example, she will literally follow them around and pick up the markers and pick up the caps. And she would do it all day because it just drives her crazy. She can't have them on the floor. So deep breath. Um, I've chosen not to do that because I see how stressful that is for her. And it's really stressful for kids to feel like, you know, they can't really be free to play. Um, Of course, you know, there's the other side of just not teaching kids to take care of their things and be disrespectful. So, you know, we each need to figure out where that line is. And I guess with little kids, you know, Cove is one. I don't feel that that's an issue. You know, I can I can teach her to pick up her markers and she can help me. And we do do that. But again, if it's happening with different sets of toys or markers all day, 
uh, I'm just going to choose the let it lay there route because once it's there, it's not going to fall. It's not going to, you know, happen again until someone cleans them up. So by the end of the week, to be honest, um, it's pretty disastrous. Hence, you know, today's Saturday and going home and trying to just use the time to do that. So yes, help once a week and then kind of maintenance throughout the week to keep things somewhat orderly. And then by Saturday or Sunday, they're really not. And we kind of do our best to get it together. Um, And that's that, you know, and weeks turn into weeks. And sure, there would be a value in perhaps organizing better. Um, You know, that is a real challenge with nine kids. Uh, Our house is not huge. Um, Actually, it's not small. It's just set up really strangely. So I just said this morning, you know, like we don't have a playroom. And sometimes that's really frustrating. Like my kids don't have a lot of toys, but they have stuff. And, you know, we have a ton of books. And I really wish we had a better system of kind of keeping everything together. But then I think part of that is just wishful thinking, because, you know, that's not been my experience of real life with homeschooling um, all these kids. Everyone's home. They're doing what they do. Uh, We're simultaneously teaching them to take care of the things that are important to them while also not over-focusing on things, you know, hence really not having a lot of toys. They have each other. Um, I do push them outside at least once a day. It's still so hot here. So, you know, other than we might get out to the park in the morning, the afternoon is off limits. It's too hot. They can't go outside. They'll burn their feet. (laughs) Um, But by three, four o'clock in the afternoon, The sun has, you know, left the back of our house and I make them get out and they can fill up the baby pool and they can ride their little bikes or whatever out on the deck. We have a trampoline. So anyway, I'm totally rambling and going above and beyond this question, but I figured people are curious. So let's see. Uh, Okay, I'll just go in order. And then obviously, I'm not going to get through too many of these at this rate. How do you and your husband nurture relationships between yourselves and each individual child, especially when there are babies in the mix who naturally want to monopolize all the attention? Do you guys have adult only spaces where you retreat to when needed? How do your kids communicate to you? that they need alone time, is that something you offer them if they seem to be struggling energy-wise? Yeah, more great questions. And so not simple in nature, but great. So relationships, and I feel like I've hit on some of this in other podcasts, but frankly, I don't remember exactly. So the relationship with my husband, I do feel like that is the most important. And not everyone feels that way for various reasons. Some just, you know, personal, some practical, I'm sure. But that's something I feel like I figured out for myself and for us. You know, we figured this out together a long time ago that 
if we weren't united, if we weren't on the same page, um, you know, really, if we're not loving each other, then everything falls apart. And the kids are so sensitive energetically. I think kids are in general, they pick up on that. So, you know, relations, the the main relationship in the house is not going well or struggling or crumbling. It's going to trickle down. And yeah, I mean, in my own, my own childhood, um, you know, my parents are still together. So there's definitely uh, been great models there, but it wasn't all perfect. And I remember kind of feeling that sense, especially as an older child, you know, of taking sides when they would argue. Um, And, you know, not that we don't have disagreements, but I would not say we argue. We just are not of that nature. And, you know, truthfully, honestly, I could be like, I could definitely be more argumentative with a different person, but he's really hard to argue with. It's just not his nature. So, um, you know, nurturing our relationship is the most important thing. And how do you do that with nine kids? Well, I think it even goes bigger than that to say that we each need to nurture ourselves. And I was just saying this because Jason asked me the other day, you know, what do you think we could do to deepen our relationship? And we did get around to like actually talking about that. But my initial response was, I think right now with all that we each feel we're going through separately, if we could just, you know, hold space for the other person as much as we can, then that would feel like what's needed to me right now. Like in other words, I can't turn all my attention to our larger relationship, like us together, because I'm putting in so much on myself. And, you know, that sounds selfish, I guess, in some ways, but it's not. We have to love ourselves first. We have to attend to ourselves first before we can be in a relationship where we, um, you know, think about how to support that other person. And yeah, that felt right on for me when I said it. And I guess it's still feeling good that if we each get the time and space to work on ourselves, then, you know, our our relationship right now is built on sharing that and supporting each other and not judging and um, being vulnerable. Because even though we've been together this long, you feel like you must have seen it all, but (laughs) people are complex. So I think there's still vulnerability with exposing parts of who we really are and, you know, things we want to change and fears we have and ways we feel. So it's great having a long-term relationship, but it doesn't mean that it's all just done and sealed up and everything's perfect. Um, So anyway, that's not what someone asked, but I really do think that's my answer right now. So that's how we're nurturing our relationship is to take care of ourselves 
and to come together and just be supportive. Um, And then, you know, of course, you see things you continue to love about the other person, even when they're going through something, um, you know, more emotional. But that's kind of how I feel. And then, of course, relationships with the kids are important. Um, Yeah, I mean, it sounds so overwhelming maybe to people to be like, how do you spend time with all of them? But we don't every day. I mean, that's, I think, a given. So it's just different. You know, when I grew grew up, it was my sister and I. And truthfully, I don't really remember a lot of one-on-one time, even with two kids, because my parents both worked full-time and we went to school and blah, blah, blah. So I don't really think it's the number of children you have necessarily. I think it's the intention. And, you know, it makes me think of like the Love Languages books. Um, just getting to know each child as best as you can at the stage they're in that you can have some kind of understanding of what would be meaningful to them because different people have different things that feel special and they're not all the same. Um, And yeah, babies do get attention because babies are around all the time and they need constant care. And something I love about my kids is that I don't feel like they are jealous or envious. I mean, I guess, you know, they could be perhaps, but it doesn't come out at all. And they're usually just really happy to see the babies and and play with them and take care of them. Yeah. And as kids get older, I think the intention has to be there to want to get to know them. And, you know, that's definitely something I think about and I hope that I'm doing a good job of, but I feel like I also won't know for a while because it's actually happening. Uh, So like with my son Egan, for example, he really doesn't enjoy going out and doing things. You know, when he was younger, and this, it makes me kind of sad, but I mean, this is who he is. When he was younger, he and I used to hike in the morning and take his dog, and then maybe we'd get some breakfast. And, you know, he's just not enjoying that kind of stuff right now. So I've struggled with like, asking him, you know, do you want to do that? Kind of knowing that he really doesn't. And I don't think it's about me. Um, So, you know, where, where can we customize the time we spend with them versus just like the rigmarole of like, we should go out and spend time together, just to say we did. Uh, So what he is enjoying right now, I really haven't found my place in that quite yet. Because he's learning to drive. And we've given him um, one of our really old cars. And he's, you know, spent time kind of taking care of it. And that's not my area. So I want to support him. You know, we've helped him buy things, etc. But when it comes to the actual car and the actual driving practice, which is what he really loves to do, uh, Jason has really stepped in for that. And you know what? I think it's great because I think father-son stuff is so important and perhaps more of what he needs right now. Um... But yeah, it's definitely different. It's different than when he was little. And I have moments of worrying, like, do I know who he is? And as he's growing up. So 
even this conversation is a reminder to me to just check in with him. He loves to make music. And so, you know, even me saying like, hey, what have you made lately? Like, can I come down and hear it? Is something I haven't done in a while. So it's a good reminder to think about that. And, you know, again, um, not just take how we think it should look spending time with someone, but really figuring out what each kid needs and listening to them. And sometimes it's really simple, you know, so just going down to his room to listen to music probably will mean a lot to him because that's something we used to do, but just haven't done in a while. Um, so let's see. I mean, the other older kids, you know, some of them are very busy. Like I said, Tallulah is probably the busiest. She just loves to be busy, which I have learned to accept as just her personality because she seems to handle it just fine. She likes to babysit a lot. Um, she likes to be at the skate park and, you know, be outdoors. Uh, she has a couple friends she likes to do things with. And so, um, you know, we do spend time together, but probably not as often as some of the other kids. And in her case, it would be kind of a more direct like, hey, would you take me to the store or can we go do this thing? Um, same with probably some of the younger girls too, you know, their, their idea of time alone is usually being taken out somewhere, which we've had conversations about, you know, that spending time with someone doesn't mean that you have to buy stuff. Uh, you can just go out and, you know, maybe sit at the park or take one of the dogs somewhere or, um, sure, you know, get a lemonade and whatever drive around. I mean, whatever it is. I think that with this many kids, um, the simple things are better for everyone. And, you know, for better, for worse, they're not used to anything extraordinary in a sense, like, you know, full day excursions. Um, I met a mom that I know in the store the other day and she just has two and she was saying how she was taking her daughter you know a couple of hours away on a shopping trip and it's lovely um but you know I don't do that I kind of can't do that and that's not expected and I don't even know what my kids would think if I if I said that uh although you know certainly special special trips and surprises are fun but as they've gotten older you know Amelia is the oldest and she really just we just hang out like friends so she'll come with me sometimes to appointments um sometimes she'll sit in the car and just read if she knows the people she might come in and hang out uh then we'll get some lunch or coffee and you know it's not a like we're hanging out today plan it's just like hey what are you doing oh i'm doing this okay cool can i come sure and so we're spending time together and it's not like that probably with every personality you know people are just different um i don't think like my young my younger son rune He's probably never going to ask to come along to prenatals and hang out with me. Um, but he'll he'll ask other things. And and even just in his funny way, you know, the other day I was like laying there on my bed with one of the babies. We were watching a show or something. It was in the afternoon when I feel like I have zero energy. And he came upstairs and he just kind of like laid there with us and cuddled and watched the show. And, you know, 
Uh, you take what you can get, I think, in some ways. And to me, that's super special. Like I, I try my best and I could still do better in really seeing and acknowledging just the sacred nature of simple life. Um, so, you know, maybe that's to make myself feel better on the days when I'm maybe feeling more of the guilty sensations of like, oh my gosh, you know, am I doing enough? Am I getting getting what they need to them efficiently when I have needs right now? And I won't lie, like that's hard in pregnancy. And I've spent most of my motherhood pregnant. So in some ways, my kids are used to it. Um, but you know, guilt is not a healthy feeling. It's not a helpful feeling. And I won't say I never feel it, but I also need to take a step back when I feel like that and, and see the bigger picture. You know, we have a great life. Our kids are well loved and well taken care of. Um, they have each other. And, you know, for example, like when I left this morning, Jason was kind of cleaning up. My intention was to come here and do this. And the little ones were watching TV, whatever, you know, and I did say, oh, gosh, like this is, you know, this is partly pregnancy. It's like what to do with them some days when it's hot and there's other things to do. But um, I think we all feel like that. It doesn't matter if you have one kid or 10 of them. Sometimes you're just doing what you can. And you're struggling energy wise. So I don't know that I really answered that one. Um, do we have adult only spaces? We really don't. And, you know, our house, you, you couldn't understand what I'm talking about without seeing it. But it's weird, weirdly set up. And so the obvious is as we've had more kids, you know, there's less room. And so right now we're prepping to move our bedroom um, into a guest house space. So uh, our guests this weekend will be the last ones to stay in it, maybe forever, because we're going to make that into our room. We just don't have enough room in the house. So no, we have no adult only spaces. Um, even at night, you know, we have Cove in our bed. We have Ever and True and Ava in our room. So, yeah, I mean, we would have to, <laughs> I don't know where, come to my office to even sit alone and have silence. But, um, you know, it's not that that's unimportant, but I don't feel, I don't feel desperate for that. I think getting time alone feels more important to me at the moment. And, you know, we do well all together. Our family is used to being together and that doesn't mean that we all don't need a little space, but we don't have the luxury of a house big enough to really do that with. Although moving our bedroom into the guest house might give us more time alone um, because some of the kids are going to rearrange in the house. So we'll be left with less kids. But, you know, we still have babies. So, yeah, one day, one day that will happen. Let's see if there's another short one because it's already a pretty long podcast. Um, I mean, I could talk a little bit more about the time with each kid, although I might have uh, kind of done my max with that. But just because there was another question about individual bonds as a new baby comes in. Um, 
So, right. If you're having your second baby or your third baby, it's still a new concept. And it's not that it's not new for me in the sense that every time I am lucky enough to have a baby, there is that same feeling of like, oh, how will this change things? You know, because it does like that's the truth. And even my oldest, who's been through this a lot of times, it's not her favorite thing to add a new baby. Like she'll love the baby and it's not actually about the baby. It's just everything shifts for a little bit. And then, of course, you know, all the way down to Cove, I look at her and she's still nursing. And, you know, I think most moms can relate to that feeling of sort of a sadness or or bittersweetness about adding a new person. Like you're excited, but then it shifts everything. And the baby that was the baby is not the baby anymore and all of that. Um, so I don't think I have a plan for that. I just know after this much experience that it is what it is. And, you know, I'm not saying people shouldn't plan. Maybe there is a way. And I see in working with families, like if they're having their second baby, that it's really hard for most of them. It's really hard. Like they just almost can't imagine focusing on a second person because having one child is incredible. And for most people, it's their entire world. And and adding a second is like almost traumatic for some families. Um, so I get that, but it's been a while for me and I don't feel that way quite anymore. And in the biggest like spiritual sense, you know, I believe they all have signed up for this together, you know, in this life to be siblings and that it has kind of all been written. So, um, you know, that doesn't mean that I'll ever understand what it's like to be the sixth child or the eighth child. I mean, they have a lifetime kind of built around part of that identity that they will navigate and it probably won't all be easy, you know, just like it hasn't been easy for me um, or you. That's just life, you know, things come in with siblings or maybe you're an only child, you know, and that's similar um, in a different way for whatever reason, you know, for all the reasons that I don't know. But in other words, I guess I'm getting to the fact that it flows organically and it doesn't mean it's not uncomfortable because it's a growing process, but I don't really have a plan and everybody has had to learn. And this might sound harsh, um, that like the postpartum time is really special for me to heal, for me to bond with this new baby. And I'm not accessible at that time. And that's hard for some of them. And it's not always easy. Um, but that's also something I'm really glad they've been able to see and be exposed to as well, because I think it's important to have them understand that that time needs to be honored just as it was honored for them when they were little ones. Um, I think that's about it. I feel like this is kind of an odd way to end, but, you know, reading these questions 
specifically about individual relationships and new babies reminds me that um, I do typically, or I have in other pregnancies towards the end, um, definitely like made more of an effort, you know, because you do, you know, in theory have this timeline. So, you know, in the 10 weeks, uh, what do I want to do? I have all the projects, but as far as the kids, like how specifically do I want to connect with them? And I appreciate that reminder from whoever submitted these questions, because that is something I want to do. And I hadn't even thought about it yet, but it's reminding me that last time, or maybe it was the time before, um, you know, that was good for me to think about. And it was fun. And I can remember like with Tallulah, she loves babies. She loves baby clothes. She loves buying baby clothes. She loves washing baby clothes. Um, that was one of the things we did together. Like she was my person for that. And she helped with all of it. And she washed the stuff and she folded the stuff. And, you know, that was like her contribution slash our connection around this. And I don't think it has to be around the baby either. Like for some kids, uh, they don't want that, you know, (laughs) they want it to be all about them. And that's totally fine. So I don't know, I'll have to check back perhaps in a future podcast about the individual things that we've decided to do together. Um, Me with each of them, Jason will have his own things and does do his own things, of course. But yeah, I'm going to think about that and think about how to um, create that special little time with all of them in the next 10 weeks. So I think I'm going to wrap it up. I'm getting kind of tired and I feel a little talked out and that's probably enough for now. So if you have other questions, let me know. But I have quite um, a bunch left for a further episode if that ends up being interesting to me or anyone out there. Uh, Just a reminder that the Indie Birth Midwifery School is enrolling again for January 2021. That's a new development. We were just enrolling in July's, but we've added a second enrollment period. And so if you're interested in that, um, you can go to IndieBirthMidwifferySchool.org and learn more. And the short story is that the Birth Warrior Project is now a prerequisite for the Indie Birth Midwifery School. So if you want to read about that, it's IndieBirth.org forward slash Birth Warrior Project. Um, And you can find out more. Thanks for listening. Have a beautiful day.